Chapter 8, Part 2 of How to Write Short Stories with Examples by Ring Lardner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kurt from Tucson, Arizona. Chapter 8, A Frame-Up, Part 2, 5. Jack Grace is the one that deserves the credit. He went to work the night of Miss Morgan's big show when the receipts was turned over to devastated France. Nate had to buy four tickets, and I and Jack and Berkey went with him. Well, as you know, our best people was there that night. The old garden was full of the folks that generally goes there to the horse show, not to boxing bouts. A soup and fish was everywheres, and gals that would knock your eye out dressed pretty near as warm as the fighters themselves. We couldn't keep Burke in his seat. He was scared that he wouldn't see all the Janes, and just as scared that they wouldn't all see him. The guys behind him was yelling murder, and the ushers bawled him out a dozen times. Then, all of a sudden, his eyes jumped right out of his head, and he gave a gasp and flopped down in his chair. The three of us looked where he was looking, and no wonder he wilted. What a gal! She was with a middle-aged man, probably her dad, and she sat in the road just ahead of us and across the aisle. I guess it was the first time she'd ever been to this kind of a party, and she was all flushed up with excitement. But she'd have been pretty enough without that. There she is, says Burke. There's the gal I want. Who don't, says Nate. Who is she? Burke asked, and Nate was going to tell him he didn't know. But Jack Grace cut in. It's Esther Fester, he said. That's her father with her, Lester Fester. He's the second richest man in New York. They claim he made three or four billion during the war selling waffle irons to Belgium. And she's his only kid. Every young millionaire in town has proposed to her, but she won't have nothing to do with him. Calls them all loafers. She says the man she marries will have to be a champion of something, whether it's football or boxing or Helma. She don't care what, just so he's better in one line than anybody else. She's quite a boxing fan, says Nate. I seen her here several times before. She maybe wants to look all the boys over and see which one she likes the best. I understand she's a great admirer of Willie Kemp, says Jack. She's always here when he boxes, and she probably come tonight expecting to see him in the audience. Maybe he'll be introduced before the main bout, and if he is, we'll watch her close and see if she's interested. Why can't I get introduced, asked Burke. You can, said Nate. Wait till they're getting ready for the wind-up and then climb in the ring and tell Joe Humphreys who you are. Well, he couldn't hardly wait till the preliminaries was over so as he could get up there and have her see him. And when he bowed, it was right at her. Young Burke, the Michigan Flash, says Humphreys. 
He is matched to box Willie Kemp in this ring two weeks from Friday night. The winner will meet Jack Britton for the welterweight title. Coming back to his seat, Berkey had to pass the gal. He smiled right in her face, and she smiled back. I guess it was all she could do to keep from laughing. I don't suppose there's been more than three or four fights better than that Leonard Mitchell scrap. It was certainly the best I ever seen, but I don't believe Burke knew they was fighting. When it was over and the gang started out, he would have overtook the gal and spoke to her only for Nate holding him. It'd make her sore and spoil everything, said Nate. How could it make her sore, said Burke. Didn't she smile at me? Well, it'd make her old man sore, says Nate. What could he do, says Berkey? If he looked cross-eyed at me, I'd bust him. That'd be a sweet way to start a courtship, said Jack. Even New York gals ain't so far ahead of the times that they fall in love with every handsome young bud that introduces himself to their father with a smash in the jaw. But I just want her phone number, says the kid. You can get it at the hotel, says Jack. The phone company got out a book three or four years ago that gives the names of a few of their rich subscribers and what their number used to be. And if you call it up, they'll tell you what it's been changed to. So as soon as we was back at the Spencer, Berkey run for the book, and he couldn't find no Lester Fester. I didn't think it'd be in there, says Jack. There are very few New York millionaires has their number in the phone book. If they did, their wives would bother them to death calling up. But they must be some way to locate them, said the kid. Somebody must know where they stay. A man as rich as him must have a big mansion somewheres, and you got to find out where it's at. If you don't find out for me tomorrow, why, I'm through. I won't box Kemp or no one else. And they knew he was cuckoo enough to mean it. But Jack Grace had his plans made already. I'll locate them tomorrow, he said. That is, unless you hear from the gal herself. But she don't know where I'm staying, says Burke. She might maybe call up Rickard and find out, says Jack. So the kid went to bed and Nate and Jack set up and talked it over. It looks like we got him, said Jack. If we can make him think him and Kemp is rivals, he'll fight. But that gal can't be framed, says Nate. I don't know who she is, but she ain't the kind we could get any help from. We don't need her help, says Jack. He'll get a special delivery tomorrow afternoon with her name signed to it. That is what he thinks is her name. I'll dope out the letter yet tonight. If necessary, he'll get a letter every day till the day of the bout. And then what, says Nate? Why nothing, says Jack. What do you care if it does the work? It doesn't seem right, said Nate. I don't want to break the kid's heart. You got as much chance of breaking his head, says Jack. What about the gal in Benton Harbor that he was so stuck on and got over it in a day? But as far as that's concerned, we don't have to kill this gal off when we're through with Kemp. We can keep her going till he meets Britain. We'll ever tell him first that he's got to trim Kemp, and if that works, we'll send her to Europe or somewheres, leaving him a farewell note that she's been called away. But she'll be back in time to see him win the title. He's a sap, said Nate, but I doubt if he's dumbbell enough to swallow this. You don't appreciate him, said Jack. Where him and the fair sex is concerned, there's something so raw that he won't eat it up.
but suppose he don't. You ain't got nothing to lose. Just him, that's all, says Nate. Well, he's no loss if he won't fight, said Jack, and this may be the way to make him. 6. Burke had started training at Daly's. When he got back from there the next afternoon, there was a special delivery waiting for him. It said, Dear Mr. Burke, You will probably be surprised getting a letter from one who you have never met. But still, I suppose you get many letters from silly girls of my sex that has seen you and admires you. Hope you won't think bad of me writing to you, but am a girl that sets on their impulse and sometimes am sorry afterwards that I'd done so and wished I was not so silly. But you know how girls are, and especially in regards to affairs of the heart. Well, Mr. Burke, you don't know me, but I was to the garden last night with my daddy and sat right near you and noticed you when I first come in but didn't dast look at you and didn't know who you was till you was introduced from the ring. And then when you was returning to your seat, I thought you smiled at me and I smiled back. Oh, Mr. Burke, was it me you was smiling at? If not, I will feel very foolish for smiling at you and hope you won't think the worst of me for doing so. Well, anyway, it's too late to mend. And this a.m. I had my secretary get where you are staying from Mr. Rickard, and I'm writing you this letter, and suppose you will say it's just another fool girl writing mash notes, but I flatter myself that I am a little higher class than most girls, as I am a society girl and don't write these kind of letters as a rule. So please don't think I am a fool and tear this up. I'm just a girl that sometimes lets their feelings run away with them. I'm going to make Pa take me to see the bout between you and Willie Kemp, but I'm afraid you are going to be beaten that night, Mr. Burke, as have seen Mr. Kemp fight and believe he is going to be the champion. I admire him very much, and up to last night admired him more than any other man, but now I am not so sure. There I am afraid I have been too bold, and you will think I am a perfect fool. Well, Mr. Burke will not take up no more of your time, though I don't suppose you have read this far, but hope you don't think I am a fool, but know you do. Pa don't approve of me writing to men who I am not engaged, and would be very angry was he to find out I had wrote to you, so can't let you answer this letter or call me up for fear he would find it out and be very angry. But maybe we'll write you again, and certainly we'll see you fight Mr. Kemp. And if you see me that night, please smile at me again, so will not think you consider me a fool. But maybe you will not feel like smiling after you have boxed Mr. Kemp, as I think he is a wonder. Well, Mr. Burke, goodbye for this time, and please don't think I am a fool. Your would-be friend, Esther Fester. Well, Jack Grace had guessed right. Berkey swallowed it whole. He began reading it down in the lobby, but when he looked back and seen the name signed to it, he took it up to the room to finish it. And if he read it once, he read it twenty times and looked sillier every time he read it. He surprised us one way, though. We was expecting he would show it to everybody, but he kept it to himself. Of course, we'd read it before it got to him. Jack had wrote it and had one of the phone gals copy it off. 
Nate asked the kid at supper how he felt. Great, he says. You want to keep working to improve your win, says Nate. This is your first 15-round bout, and you may get tired. I won't have time to get tired, he says. I'll knock him dead in a round. It was the first time he'd ever made a speech like that. Looks like you was right, says Nate to Jack afterwards. He's eat it up. The only thing now is to be sure and not overplay it. Just give him a couple more short notes between now and the bout. What shall I say in them, says Jack. You don't need my advice, says Nate. I think you wrote that one from memory. You must have got a few mash notes yourself. No, says Jack. All the time I was boxing, I only got letters from one gal. And she always said the same thing. If you're a man, you'll pay me back that $8.60 you stole. Well, Burke pestered the clerks to death, asking if they were sure no mail had come for him. And he went for the phone every time it rung, and was scared to go out for fear a call would come while he wasn't there. Finally, it got so that Nate couldn't hardly drag him to Daly's for his workout, and they seen they'd have to spill another note or he'd worry himself out of shape. The second one was short and said, Dear Mr. Burke, It has been all as I could do to keep from writing you before this, but was afraid if I wrote too often you would think I was a fool. Well, Mr. Burke, it's only five days now till you're bowed with Mr. Kemp, and suppose you are excited. I know I am and can't hardly wait for the big event, though to be perfectly honest, am in a funny position as I don't know if I want you or he to win. You see, I am an admirer of the both of you. Suppose you will say to yourself, I must be a funny girl to not know her own mind. But you see, I have admired Mr. Kemp a long time and only seen you the other night for the first time, so don't know which I like best. Guess I will let you two decide the question for me, and may the best man win. Pa is going to take me to the fight and only hope I will not faint or something with excitement. Suppose you will think me a fool for feeling this way in regards to two parties who I have never met, but as I told you before, am a girl that always lets their feelings get the best of them, though sometimes I'm sorry when it is too late. Hope you won't make me sorry, Mr. Burke. That is, if you win. I'm afraid for your sake, however, that you are doomed with defeat. As Mr. Kemp has a punch and you are just a boxer that can't hit hard. Well, Mr. Burke, must say ta-ta for this time, as I'm going to a toddle party at the Ritz. Yours, Esther. And the morning of the big day, he got this one. Dear Mr. Burke, just a line to let you know I'm thinking of you, and if you best Mr. Kemp, we'll call you up and see if we can't meet somewheres and have a dance. Or maybe you don't care for la danse, but we can have a little chat if you don't think me too much a fool. Well, Mr. Burke, I won't bother you when you must be already worried and nervous over the bout and will just say that I will be at the garden and will see you even if you don't see me and wish I could tell you where I will sit, but I don't know. Well, Mr. Burke, good luck and may the best man win. Esther. On the way down from the hotel that night, Berkey asked Jack and I if we'd bet on him. We told him no. So he says, if you want to make some easy money, 
bet some of these wisecrackers that I'll stop this burden around. I'll slap him dead. 7. So I and Jack did get down a couple of bets, 50 apiece. We bet the kid would win by a knockout, and we got 3 to 1. The smart guys had looked over his record and didn't see how he could stop Kemp. But when they got in the ring, I wished for a minute I hadn't bet. Instead of paying any attention to what was coming off, Berkey was looking all over the house trying to locate the little peach. I was scared he'd still be doing it yet when the bout started, and Kemp had sock him before he got down to business. But Jack Gray seen the danger and leaned over and whispered to the kid, You remember that fester gal? She's up in a box with her old man. Where at? asked Burke, all excited. It's pretty dark, says Jack, but I'll try and point her out between rounds. As you know, they wasn't no between rounds. In the first two minutes, Kemp made five trips to the floor, and he liked it so well the last time that he decided to sleep there. And in the excitement, Jack pretended he'd lost sight of the gal. 8. Berkey stayed in the room all the next day waiting for the phone call. The papers had went nuts over him and said he was the Benny Leonard of the Welters, and that it was just a question of the date when the title would change hands. But for all the effect it had on Burke, they might as well have said he'd opened a bird's door. Meanwhile, Nate and Jack Grace talked it over and decided to go through with Jack's scheme. Keep Esther alive till the Britain bout, and send her to Europe, where she wouldn't be so much trouble. So late in the evening, while Berkey was still waiting for his call, a special delivery come for him that said, Dear Mr. Burke, have bad news, or at least hope you will agree with me and think it is bad. By the time you receive this note, we'll be on the old pond with Pa, bound for Europe. He got a cable this a.m. calling him to the other side and insisted on me going along. So we hustled round and got rooms on the ship that sails this p.m. I cried when he said I would have to go and hope you feel as bad as I do. But it's only for a short time and we'll be back in time to see you beat Britain and win the title. After that, well, Mr. Burke, I won't say no more. You was wonderful last night, and I'm proud of you. Wish I could tell you in person how much I admire you, but we'll do that later on. We'll drop you a note just the minute we get back. In the meantime, don't forget one who is proud of you and wished I could meet my coming champion, Esther. Well, it was a blow to the kid, but it would have worked out all right only for the toughest kind of break. Nate had to hurry back to Shy, but before he left, he seen Rickard and closed for the Britain bout. Burke's end was to be $10,000. So the second day after the Kemp bout, they was taking the century home, and I and Jack Grace was over to see them off. They just shook hands and was starting through the gate when Burke seen her, the gal he'd went wild over at Miss Morgan's show. She was saying goodbye to another pip. Wait, says Berkey, and before Nate could stop him, he'd grabbed the gal by the arm. 
"'Esther,' he says, "'Miss Fester, you didn't go after all.' The poor gal was speechless. "'Don't you know me?' said the kid. "'I'm Burke, the boy that beat Kemp, the boy you've been writing to.' She jerked her arm loose and found her tongue. "'I'm not interested in who you are,' she said. "'I don't know you, and I don't believe I want to.' By this time, Nate had him. "'Come on, boy,' he said. "'You've made a mistake.' and he dragged him through the gate, while the crowd stared goggle-eyed. Well, says our gal to her chum, you're going to have a thrill, a trip with a crazy man. Burke was numb, Nate tells me, till the train was way out of New York. Then he said, maybe she didn't recognize me, or maybe she just didn't want her friend to know. That was probably it, says Nate. Why did she lie to me and say she was going to Europe, says the kid. After a while, he got up from his seat. Her friend's on this train, he said. I'm going to find her and ask her something. Nate tried to coax him out of it, but he wouldn't listen. So Nate went with him to see that he didn't get in no trouble. They found the gal's pal a couple of cars back. The kid stopped and said, I beg your pardon, lady but I want to ask you just one question. That gal that's seen you off, is her name Esther Fester? The Jane laughed and says, I'm afraid it's nothing as poetical as that. Her name is plain Mary Holt. Without another word, Burke followed Nate back to their own sleeper. He didn't open his clam again till they hit Albany. Then he made some remark about wanting some fresh air and got off the train. That's the last Nate seen of him till the other day when he showed up in shy after money. So you see why the Britain show had to be postponed? There's no plot for it. End of Chapter 8 A Frame-Up Part 2